today is actually the first of the series of sermons that I'm preaching. This Sunday, next Sunday, Good Friday is going to be, how many of you know, we have a Good Friday service here. So I hope that you plan on coming, and then obviously on Easter. But we are talking about a journey. How many of you guys like going on journeys? Going on a trip, going on a vacation, going to places that you've never been before. That's exciting. How many of you know sometimes those are risk? You get to discover things that maybe you've not seen before. Uh, 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 I guess it's been almost three years ago, two and a half years ago, uh, we went to visit our daughter in the Czech Republic, and we got to see things we'd never seen before. We ended up going to Salzburg, uh, Austria, and listen, I was with my wife and my daughter, so I got to see things from The Sound of Music, because that's where uh, it was all filmed, and I had to be honest, I had really never actually sat through the entire movie, because I'm like, it's a musical Okay, come on, I'm a guy, I just didn't watch it, and then after we went, they're like, oh yeah, this scene was in the movie, and this was in the movie, so I actually watched the movie after we got back, so I'm like, hey, I've seen that, so uh, journeys, journeys happen. Uh, I found this quote on journey, it says, the greatest journey of all answers questions we didn't know to ask and reveals discoveries we never even knew to look for. Isn't that true? This, like I said, we started this journey to Easter. There is a temptation, especially if you've been a Christian for a while, even if you're not like, eh, I know this journey. I've heard about Easter. I know what Jesus did. I know about his death on the cross, his resurrection on that third day. Uh, I understand that. Uh, but I want to tell you that the uh, challenge, it's more than the journey than you think. What we're talking about, some people live their walk with the Lord kind of like, and, and listen, I'm not making any negative references to Disney. I know that's all in the news right now, uh, but how many of you have been to Disneyland on the ride? It's a small world. Anybody? Like, like I, had to, I looked up a video of that, and I remember it as a kid, and I'm thinking, wow, that is a boring ride. <laughs> It's like the animatronics, they're doing the little waving. And it, uh, but sometimes I was thinking that our Christian life can be like, okay, I'm sitting in a seat and I'm just kind of like looking, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've seen that. Oh yeah, I know about that. Oh yeah, and that's interesting. And you get off the ride and you go home, right? I believe that our walk and our journey with Christ should be more like going through the jungle, having to hack down the bushes right there, and then you encounter there's like a monkey there or there's some kind, some, something to discover, right? It's more interactive. Our walk with Christ should be much more interactive than just kind of sitting down like, oh, yeah, okay, show me something new, pastor. How many of you know, if you've been coming to a church for a while, there's not a lot of new stuff that I can share with you. It's still the same book. Right? It's still the same Bible, but I believe a journey with Jesus, there's always something new. There's something new that God wants to show us, that God wants to speak to, to our hearts. It is that interactive thing. As long as we live, especially on this side of heaven, there's always something new that God wants to show us. Amen? So that's the journey. In your notes, I have this feeling the journey to Easter is not merely one of information, but of transformation. God wants to transform our lives. Listen, if you became a Christian, but in your life nothing changed, how many of you know you haven't really met Jesus yet? You've just uh, been introduced to religion. When you meet Jesus, if you look in the Bible, when people had an interaction with Jesus, things changed. Lives changed. And that's exactly what we need to realize, that he wants us to change. We're on the journey. And let me tell you, 
what we're starting today, where you begin on a journey matters, isn't it? I know the day before GPS, like if you don't know where somebody lives, now we just type it in the GPS, right, and it gets us there. Uh, but there was actually a day for some of you guys that don't understand what life was like before. Hey, listen, you would call somebody and say, hey, how do I get to your house? And the question that would normally come is like, where are you coming from? Like we live in Placerville. If, uh, if somebody from Pollock Pines called me and said, hey, how do you get to your house? I would say, hey, listen, get on Highway 50 and go west, right? But if somebody down here in Cameron Park says, hey, how to get, on your, get to your house, I wouldn't say, hey, get on 50 and go west. Guess what? It would take them to Sacramento, San Francisco, all of that stuff. Uh, so where you start really matters. And we have to understand when we're getting on a journey with Christ, where we re begin really matters. So I want to take you back to the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. We know he was about the age of 30. I'm going to go to the baptism when John the Baptist baptized him in Matthew chapter 3. It says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Or you may have said, I am well pleased, uh, depending on what version. This is before Jesus did any miracles, right? Before he did any of that, here's the thing. God sent the Son to earth, and Jesus is about to go on a journey after this baptism that's going to have some highs. It's going to have some lows. There's going to be some great miracles. There's going to be an ultimate betrayal that's eventually going to lead him to a cross. But eventually, after that, to a resurrection. How many of you know that's a journey like this? It's like, oh, this is good. Oh, this isn't good. That's good. Oh, that's not good. And, and let's be honest. Our journey following Christ can be like that sometimes. There are things that are unexpected, surprises that you didn't expect, right? Anybody ever go on a vacation and things didn't turn out the way you thought they would? Right? Actually turned a little bit tragic. Uh, I was reminded, I was trying to think of one, and, and my wife reminded me this morning, uh, years ago when our kids were still young, we lived in Colorado, and uh, you know, it was summertime, so it was hot during the day, and we went camping up in the mountains. Little did we know, in the mountains, even in the summertime, it gets really cold at night. And so we're up there, we had our tent, uh, the kids were all little, and, uh, and we're camping up there, and all of a sudden the sun goes down. We had one of the little, uh, little kerosene thing heaters that you're not supposed to put in the tent. Uh, eventually, it got so cold that thing came in the tent. And we had all the blankets on the kids, and we're just shivering, and we're shaking, and like, I'm thinking, I'm never going camping again after we get out of this. Finally, the sun just barely got a little bit of sunlight. We got up. Threw, we didn't even fold it up. We just threw it in the back of our van, and we were out of there. Like, that was a miserable camping trip, at least in my mind. The kids just slept through it because we threw all the blankets right on top of them. So, but how many of you know, journeys happen like that. Life happens like that where you think in your mind, oh, everything's going to be wonderful, everything's going to be great. But the reality, life has got this up and down thing. And let me just say, the thing that the Father wanted the Son to know before he began that journey is that you're my Son and I love you. 
You're my son. Remember, there's going to be difficulties that come. There's going to be challenges that come. And, and what you need to know, I believe what you and I need to know on this journey is that God loves us, that we have a Father in heaven that loves us no matter what. I think I have that up there. You have a Father who deeply loves you no matter what. And listen, I know uh, we can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that. How many of you know that? Let's raise, raise your hand. I know that. But there's a difference between knowing that and really knowing that. Does that make sense? There's a, 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 several psalms in the book of Psalms that have this word selah, S-E-L-A-H, and that simply means to pause and to reflect on what you had just read. And, and we could pass right by this and everybody could agree with it, but I think it's important sometimes for us just to kind of pause and realize that we have a Father in heaven who deeply loves us. Like no matter what your past is, no matter what your failures, anybody here ever fail? Yeah, my hand's up. No matter, maybe you've been apathetic at times. Uh, maybe you've been hard-headed, right? And if it's not you, point to the person you know that's hard. No, I'm just, I see hands going, right? No matter if you're antagonistic, messing with somebody, right? Uh, maybe you've got a temper problem. Don't raise your hand on that because most people probably already know. Uh, in spite of your uh, questions, your doubts, how many of you, we have doubts, we have that. No matter what, God still loves us, deeply, deeply loves us. And, and I believe that being convinced in our heart, in, uh, in our soul, in our mind that that is true, that changes everything. When you really have that truth down on the inside, listen, good days are good days, but how many of you know it changes your thought process on bad days? It changes how you think when you get bad news. You go to the doctor and you get news that you're not expecting, but you still realize, you know what, I know this isn't good, things aren't looking good, but I still have a Father in heaven that loves me no matter what. When you blow it, listen, a lot of people struggle. When they blow it, it's like, oh, guilt, condemnation, all of that stuff is coming on me. I can't even come to church because I messed up so bad that week. Can I tell you, you still have a God that loves you then deeply no matter what so here's the challenge that i have today uh i don't know if i'll be it's not easy to fully convince people of this fact even though we agree with it uh there's we there's times that we struggle with that that our father loves us unconditionally and, and so i'm really want to hammer that home today uh because here's the thing here's the reality we've all believed lies on how love actually works Right? Sometimes we listen to songs, uh, whatever it is. We have placed these what we call qualifiers on what we consider worthy of love. Like if somebody's just a jerk, how many of you know they're not worthy of love? And I'm not pointing over here for any particular reason. I'm just saying so. <laughs> Nobody feel any guilt or anything like that. I'm just saying sometimes we put the qualities. Maybe somebody was rude to you. Man, I'm not going to love that person. Maybe you are rude to somebody and you're like, oh, no, they're not going to love me. And so we place these certain qualifiers on, on what love is, what it looks like, and then we begin to wear those. Because when we know that we failed, or, or maybe, how many of you know sometimes we like to put labels on ourselves? Oh, yeah, you know what, I'm this, you know what, I'm that. Or other people, other people are really good at putting labels on you, aren't they? Oh, yeah, you're, you know, you're just this. And, and we carry those things around. And so even though we know that God loves us, it's like, eh, yeah, but you know what, I, I know that he doesn't love me probably as much as that person. 
He probably doesn't love me that much. So it's not an easy thing to fully convince people of that, but I want to try to do that a little bit, at least today, right? I, I believe it is a journey to truly understand God's love. You're not going to get it in one sermon, right? It is a journey. That's why we're talking about it. So we're going to be looking in the book of John, 1 John, uh, as well as the Gospel of John. I'm going to pull some scriptures because let me just say, the Apostle John, he understood the love of God. And uh, uh, he understood it so much that he's the one that wrote about himself that he was the disciple that Jesus loved, right? And you're like, well, well, aren't you a little arrogant? No, he's not. First of all, it was inspired of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, he felt that God really loved him. I'm the one, I, I don't know about these other guys, but I know Jesus loves me. That's a powerful revelation to have. And so there's this theme when you're looking through the letters of John and the gospel of John uh, of God's love to us, but at the same time, God's love through us. So I want to uh, uh, start it out, 1 John 4, 9, that says this is how God did what? Let's all say this word. Showed. He showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So the first thing that I want to share with you today is that God's love has been revealed, but guess what? We've got to see it. He, he has shown his love. A lot of people don't see the love of God because they're watching TV or something like that, and how media presents Christ or Christians, how many of you know, is not a really good picture. They're either judgmental, they're wackos, you know, they're uh, just not very friendly, loving people. So a lot of people have this false idea of who Christ is, but if we will really reflect the love of God, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, and realize that God has shown it, his love shown, how many of you know love shown speaks a whole lot more than love said? Right, you know, if I just told my wife how much I loved her, but then I would ignore her, I didn't talk to her, you know, and I'm like, oh, I haven't given my wife much attention, I'll send her some candy and flowers. But I still didn't spend any time with her. Uh, I could say it all I wanted. How many of you know speaking it or actually showing it makes a difference? Right? Love demonstrated is a lot more than love communicated. And that's exactly what did. God didn't just say that he loved us, he actually did it. He actually showed it. He came and lived his life amongst us for us to demonstrate his love. And, uh, and I got a picture up here of a uh, father and son. Maybe you've heard this story. It's, uh, this is the dad. His name is Dick, and this is Rick. And obviously, he's disabled. He couldn't communicate. He was born as a baby. They, they wanted to put him in a home, not his parents, but his mom and dad were like, no, no, we're going to bring him home. He wasn't able to communicate until many years later through a computer. Somehow it was able to uh, understand the words that he said. And uh, when he was just a kid, he wanted to go on a 5K benefit run or something like that. His dad, he goes, I was out of shape. I've never ran a 5K in my entire life. He says, but you know what? My son wants to do it, so we're going to do it. And he, uh, he got up there. Since that time, I don't know, 50, 60-plus marathons they've gone through, triathlons. Now, if you know, let me tell you, a triathlon going through the swimming part, there's pictures. You can look them up on the Internet of him swimming uh, the triathlon, pulling his son on a rubber raft. That's impressive. He, uh, he actually, uh, close to the age of 80, so this started like in the 79 or 80. Uh, he was 80 years old. He passed away last year. 
Uh, but if you go to the Boston Marathon that they ran 30 plus times, there's actually, they made a statue of him and his son. And so there's videos, it's super inspiring. But why would I show that? Because I feel like this guy is a little bit like the father. Because the son was not able to do, the things the son was not able to do, this father stepped out of what was his comfort zone, and he's like, all right, I'm going to run. I'm going to do this triathlon. I'm going to do these marathons. I'm going to do whatever it is. Because his son said, he goes, you know what? When we run, I don't feel like I have a disability. I don't feel that anymore. And I think that's exactly what God has done for us through his son. When you look at Philippians, it says, though he was God talking about Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, God, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Don't you see how Jesus stepped out of who he was to become what we needed him to be? to cover, to be that sacrifice, because God didn't just say that he loved us. Some of you know, he demonstrated it. He showed it. He showed it. He is our father. We're his children. And can I just say that, that he doesn't just love the best day on our lives. How many of you know he loves us at our worst? Right? The, wor- the worst version, I, I guess you can get a minute. What was the worst version of you? Maybe you haven't had it yet, but I want to tell you, even in that, God loves you at your most unlovable place. Right? There's, a, there's a verse out of Romans 5, 8. says that God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Amen. Now, I have in your notes the message version of this just because I really like it. It says, but God put his love on the line for us while... We, while uh, I can't even talk. God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in a sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him you know what i thought about that that's when we were good for nothing have you ever heard that oh that person's good for nothing that person's good for nothing but god sees the good for nothings and he says i love them i love them i love them unconditionally so maybe you're here today and you're like i'm good for nothing i can't do this i can't do that i don't have this account i don't have any of that but i want to tell you that god still loves you uh, uh unconditionally we need to hang on to that. John 3.16 says this, for, God, for this is how God loved the world. I love that. How? This is how he did it. He gave his one and only son that whoever will believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. And, and then uh, verse 17, he didn't send his son in the world to judge the world but to save the world through him. And so God's love has been revealed. We just got to see it. We just got to open up our eyes. God, open up my eyes to be able to really see what your love. But it doesn't stop there. Uh, Number two in your notes, uh, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So uh, here we go. Here's number two. God's love has been revealed, but God's love has been freely given. But guess what? We got to receive it. Right? we got to receive it. Uh, if I offered you, and I'm not doing that, so don't get, don't get excited, but if I offered $100 a bill, I'm just like, all right, I'm offering it. How many of you know somebody would actually have to come up here and grab it to receive it? I've done it before, but I don't have, I don't have that money right now. So uh, we have to actually receive God's love. God can show it, 
but I have to actually receive it. God demonstrated, he gave it, but we've got to go out there and grab it because there's a song, I bet you most of us, if you don't know it, you've probably heard it once we sing it, but it starts out, Jesus loves me, this I know for... See, you guys knew that song, gave that one away. I thought that was a new one. Now, how many of you know, that's a great song. We teach it to kids, we should learn it. But here's the thing that I have found, at least in my life, is there are things that I know and believe, but they don't always line up with my experiences. Does that make sense? Like you know it and you believe it, but then my experience, that's why you get people with weird doctrines and weird uh, theology is because they don't go off of what they know and what they believe. They live their life off of their experiences. Oh, well, this has been my experience. This has been my experience. So uh, how many of you know your, uh, God is bigger than your experiences? So we struggle with that uh, because we know that God loves us. We hear about it. We've read about it. But because maybe you failed, maybe you're struggling, maybe there's a relationship that you're in and, and it fell apart and you don't know how to fix it. Maybe because we face times of loneliness or whatever, we're like, I know that God loves me. I just don't always feel it. Can we be honest with that? Isn't there times that you know God loves you, but it's like maybe you're going through something. You're going through a challenge, and it's like I'm just not really feeling the love of God. right? How many of you know we're not supposed to be led by our feelings? But let's be honest. We have feelings. We know we're not supposed to be led with it, but we have them. So what do we do with that where we're struggling with, with what we know to be true, but we're just not really feeling it? And it made me think of uh, one of my favorite movies growing up. Some of you guys will recognize it immediately. Raiders of the Lost Ark with Indiana Jones, right? How many of you like that movie? Come on, that was like a classic right there. And I'm happy that I found this scene right here because uh, what happens is that he finds this incredibly value. You know, he was after this gold head that who knows what it was. And he grabbed a bag of sand in this thing and he was going to exchange that sand uh, for the head, hopefully the weight, and if you know the whole rest of the story, if you remember that, all of a sudden that thing started going down because the weight wasn't quite the same, and all of a sudden arrows started shooting at him, uh, bricks started falling out, and then the big rock, that's the infamous scene, the big rock started chasing him, and once he got on the outside, like, oh, I escaped all of that, there were enemy soldiers that were right there to capture him. And why am, I, why am I pulling this story up, you ask? Why? Because sometimes I feel like that our relationship with God is like that because Jesus did something 2,000 years ago that was life-changing. It was so valuable. We all want it. We all want that. And we know that we can put our little sand of sin and we can exchange for something valuable. Uh, but it seems like after that, all of a sudden, you know, you face these darts coming at you from all angle. Uh, things are not like what you thought it would be. You have your past chasing after you, right? Like, I can't get away from my past. And you're getting out there. And just as you thought you escaped it all, all of a sudden the enemy is still there. And so we have these times where, yes, I know that God loves me. I'm just, I just don't always feel it, right? Maybe I've believed a lie about the love of God. Uh, maybe, it, like I said, maybe somebody put a label on you. Maybe you have failed. Maybe you blew it. And so it's like, man, I just don't know. I know I got this valuable thing, but, but what's going on? And so uh, we have this painful contradiction at times of what we know and believe and how we feel. Here's the thing. The journey to Easter, 
I believe really addresses this problem, this journey, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Can I tell you, it's more than just your forgiveness of your sin. How many of you are thankful that you have forgiveness of sin? Right? And, and, and sometimes we think, oh, well, that's all it's about, right? It's so that I can have my sins forgiven. No, no. It's, and we sang some songs about it this morning. It's, it's more than that. It's him taking our weakness and giving us his strength. It's us taking all of our sorrows, all of our heartbreak, all of our disappointment, and exchanging it for joy, right? Joy unspeakable. He takes our failures and he gives us his glory. He takes our past and he gives us a future, right? It's all of that. The cross is a place. Here's the thing. I got the cross. We got the cross back there. That is a place of exchange, not just my old life for a new life. It's not just the death of my sin. It's a death of all of the lies that I've believed along the way. It's the death of the labels that, that people have put on your life. We, we truly do. We used to sing, well, we sing it, we haven't sang it in a while, but Trading My Sorrows. You guys know that song. I'm trading my sorrows, right? I'm trading my... Thank you, Shane. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. It's a place of trading. That's why this journey is so powerful, because we get to exchange all of that. Jesus didn't just do something 2,000 years ago to pay for our sin. How many of you know he wants to do something in your life today? Everybody say, Jesus wants to do something in my life today. Right? He wants to free us from bondage. He wants to set us free from the confusion. Let me tell you, we live in the most confusing world. It's getting worse, isn't it? And, it's, and there's hurts, there's disappointments. All of these things kind of build up on the inside of us. So the cross is not something that, okay, well, it took care of my sin. That's wonderful. No, he wants to restore joy into your life. Right? He wants to, to, to restore vision and purpose and, and all of that. But guess what? We've got to receive it. We've got to receive it. It's, it's not enough just to listen to it. I've got to actually receive it. So I want to give you a real practical step today. And, uh, and I think I have that in your notes. We need to exchange your if for so. What in the world does that mean? I'm glad you asked that one too. Let me go back to that statement. We have a father that loves us no matter what, right? That should be a period right there, but sometimes we put an if. I have a father that loves me if I can get my life together. I have a father that loves me if I can stop complaining and be more grateful. I have a father that loves me if I can overcome my addiction. I have a father that loves me if I could just be more obedient. If I could just do things right, right? If I could live my life right. How many of you know that if shouldn't exist? We need to exchange it for a so where we say, I have a father that loves me no matter what, so I can now get my life together. Right? Does that make sense? I have a father that loves me, so now I have a reason to stop complaining and being more grateful. I have a father that loves me, so I have a reason to overcome my addictions. Right? Whatever it is, he created me. That's a great exchange. Exchange that if or so. Because God loves me so much, I have so much more available. I have so much more opportunity. It really empowers us to live this life that God has given us. If we truly will embrace that and understand, there, let me tell you, there is nothing impossible with us, right, because of Christ. I love what it says out of Ephesians. This is a prayer that Paul is praying out of Ephesians. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, you realize we serve a God that has unlimited resources. 
And it says that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love as you keep strong. And then verse 18, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. Let me tell you, not everybody does. But as we should understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love for us. And then he says, and then may you experience the love of God. Notice it's not just a knowledge. It's not just may you know about the love of God. It's to be experienced and says, though it is too great to understand fully. Here's the point. Not, we're never going to fully understand, especially on this side of heaven. We're never going to fully understand how much God loves us. We got about that much, right? Some of you might have that much. Some of you got that much. Uh, but let me tell you, we can grow. And that's part of the journey is growing to fully understand it. And then this, this part right here, I don't think we fully understand then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What is that? What is that fullness? How much of that am I missing out because I don't understand how much God really loves me? How much of life am I living short of that abundance that he has because I, I have these conditions that I've placed on God's love? Right, that I've put there. So I, I, let me tell you, in my personal walk, I want to know more about God's love. It's not like, oh, yeah, I know God loves me. Right, I'm not on the small world uh, uh, ride saying, oh, yeah, there's, there God loves me right there. No, I want to experience it more. I want to get more in there. I want to understand because I have found this to be true. The more I experience the love of God, the more full my life becomes. The more satisfied my life See, our world, you're chasing after. Oh, we need this. We need that. We're going after that. We need more money. We need more status. We need all that. It's like, oh, no, I just need the presence of God. I just need the presence of God. Amen? So listen, if you don't, if you don't uh, uh, it does you no good to just believe it. We actually have to receive it, right? God's love has been revealed if we'll see it. God's love has been freely given if we'll receive it. And lastly, God's love extends through us if we'll reflect it. How many of you know God's love does not end with you, right? It doesn't stop right where you are. Uh, I heard this phrase right here, which I want to share. The love of God unreflected is the love of God unfinished. Isn't that good? I didn't write that, but I'm taking credit for it right now. I'm just going to put my name down there, Pastor Scott, right? Uh, I thought if we just allow the love of God to stop in us, then we have hindered the love of God. It's supposed to come in us, but at the same time, it's supposed to go through us, right? And, and listen, we talked about this. If you came to our men's breakfast yesterday, uh, how uh, we should allow the love of people should see the love of God in us. They should see the presence, not by us having to tell them, right? And, and, and so I'm just going to share you guys this story. I told all the men that were there yesterday that when I was in high school as a junior, uh, I wasn't living for the Lord, but when I did give my life to the Lord, I remember, uh, I don't remember how long I'd been serving God, a month or two. And, uh, and I thought, I saw this Christian t-shirt, and I thought, oh, I'm going to put on this Christian. I'm going to tell people about Christ, and had my Christian t-shirt on. remember going to one of my classes, and this girl turned around, saw my t-shirt, and gave me the most puzzling face and said, you're a Christian? <laughs> How many of you know that's probably not good news? I don't think I was allowing the love of God. I still had a whole lot of smart Alex Scott coming through at that point, right? 
And, uh, and, I, and I was realizing, okay, God, I mean, I didn't realize it. I didn't understand all that back then. I just realized something isn't good, right? There's Houston, we have a problem. They see a Christian shirt on me, and they're like, like what in the world? Who are you? <laughs> I, know, I know who you are. So here's the thing. Our journey, in part, is, is, is not just to receive the love of God, but it's to bring the others on this adventure with us. It's to bring others with us. That's why we talk about these invitations. It's like, you know what? I don't want to just make it to heaven myself. I want to bring as many people with me as possible. Amen? I want to invite many. The, the love of God that we show, let me tell you, friends, it's more powerful than just what we know. Oh, I know all about it, but it, we have to actually show it too. So here's the problem. Sometimes we can be very selfish with our relationship with Christ. All right, sometimes it's like, oh, you know what? Don't talk about religion. It's a private thing. Anybody ever hear that? It's a private thing. Uh, let me tell you, Jesus was not crucified privately. It was ve- he was very public about it. And we can get so ingrown that it's like, you know what? I just want the love of God. Just make me feel good. Right? Just, just tell me how much, and, and that way, you know, and I like church the way I, I just want to be gratified, I, uh, blessed. I want to be blessed, you know. I want God to fix all of my problems. I want all my dreams to come true, right? Listen, if it stops there, our journey is going to end up in dangerous territory. If all we're looking for is God, show me, love me, love me, love me, love me like that, but we don't ever allow it to come out. How many of you know, I think that God created in Israel a very wonderful example of what that looks like. There's the Dead Sea, and then there's the Sea of Galilee, right? What is, the, what is the Sea of Galilee? It has water coming in, but guess what? It has water going out at the same time, so the water is fresh. The Dead Sea, on the other hand, only has water coming in. There's no escape for it. So the water evaporates, leaves all the minerals there, and everything's dead. I believe as a believer, listen, I, I want to be the Sea of Galilee. I don't want to be the Dead Sea. And so I've got to reflect it. I've got to allow the love of God uh, uh, to come out on the other side of me. Because uh, let me just say, you're going to be distracted. If, all, if I don't have an outflow of God's love, I'm going to get very distracted. I'm going to get off course, and I'm going to think it's all about me. It's not all about me. It's about coming through me. Amen? Jesus said this in John 15. I've told you these things so that you will... That you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. How many of you want joy and do you want overflowing joy? Amen. Right? And he says, this is my commandment. Love each other. How? The same way I have loved you. Ouch. Let's be honest. I don't know if I can love other people the way Jesus loved me. But I want to give it a try. Right? I don't want to be like, eh, I can't. Well, you're Jesus, you know. I can't live up to that standard. No, I want God to love others through me in the same way. Look what he goes on to say in verse 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. That's exactly what Jesus did, right? And we're like, oh, I'm not going to lay down my life. You don't actually have to die to show God's love, right? God may put you in that position, uh, but I think of the story in Mark uh, 2 where there were four friends that stopped at nothing to make sure that their friend got to Jesus. What did they do? They carried him on a mat. They dug a hole through somebody else's uh, roof uh, to make sure that they got... That's laying down. Let me tell you, that's brave to cut into somebody else's roof. Right? Anybody want to, like, go cut into somebody's roof? You know, I think uh, the homeowner's insurance will have an issue about that, too. Uh, But they were like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure my friend gets to Christ. 
to get to Jesus. I'm willing to do that. So how do I do that? I mean, this journey to Easter, like I said, it's not just about learning some facts about Easter. It's about, okay, God, I want to grow closer. I want to grow in my love. I want it to begin to show. Listen, that's why we do life groups. We started it back. If you're not a part of one, listen, I know tonight at David and Christina, Tuesday afternoon, they have one right here in, uh, uh, at the church, and then Bill and Beth, it won't be for a couple more weeks, but we have uh, little things out there. Get a part of that. We don't do that just because nobody else has anything to do. We don't do outreaches just because, like, eh, well, we're a church. I guess we're supposed to do that. Uh, we support a mission. We didn't share this earlier, but I want to tell you guys, after last month with our missions, we've been able to pick up uh, the Women's Pregnancy Crisis Center. So we're going to start supporting this month them on a regular basis as well as the missionaries to Angola that were here. Uh, we picked them up as well, and we're starting supporting them. And that's because of you guys, right? It's not like, oh, well, don't you guys need money? Listen, we're here for the kingdom. We're here to allow the love of God to shine through us. And so that's why we're doing it. That's why, you know, Pastor Colleen mentioned these flyers. It's not just like, okay, we just want to be able to have a full house. Wouldn't it be great if every seat was taken? Of course it was, but can I tell you, if our vanity is just about be able to say, hey, listen, every church's seat is full, uh, how many of you know that's the wrong motive? That's about bringing people to Jesus. And so, yes, we invite people, and yes, I know sometimes it's a little scary. That's why we got even, it's like a postcard, you can address it and mail it to them, right? Uh, but I would say it's better to actually invite. Why do we do all of that? Because God wants to get us and he wants to go through us. He wants us to understand it. Jesus, or John made it very simple. He said this in John 4, 11, Since God loved us that much, surely we ought to love each other. Surely we should be able to be more concerned about others than so focused uh, on who we are. And uh, we are, you've been, if you've been hanging on to your communion thing, uh, we're going to take communion here in a second. And, uh, Pat's going to come up. Communion is not about just going through a religious thing. How many of you know this is the love of God? Does anybody need a communion cup? And just take this time as we reflect. Take a minute and do your best to unwrap these. You know, Pastor Scott asked me to oversee the communion this morning and course I had no idea where he was going with this message and just leave uh, leave it up to the Lord to say something amen it's a lot better when he's in charge of his church otherwise we just have deadpan religion amen so this morning I just felt led to ask a question to each one of us as we prepare ourselves to receive the, the Lord's Supper and who is Jesus to you that's not a question that, that needs to be answered publicly. It's a question that you answer within yourself. It's a little moment where we reflect. And who is Christ to you? Because to all of us, He's different. And even through different points and times of our walk with Him, He's different. For some of us, He's our Savior. For some of us, He's the lover of our soul. Or our spouse, a spiritual fulfillment of our own hearts for this season of our lives. So I want to ask us this morning as we think about that, who is Jesus to you?
reflect. I want to take a moment that we reflect. Jesus said to do this often in remembrance of Him. I don't believe He wanted us to remember the act 2,000 years ago. He wants us to remember Him as being the one who's enthroned in our heart. And who is He at this very moment in your life? And the reason I said that there's no wrong answer is because He's all of those things. Amen? He's multifaceted. He reveals Himself in many different ways. And He is everything that He said He is to us. Amen? And so as we reflect this morning, not just on the the bread or the body and how it was broken for us, but what it afforded to us. Amen? We don't celebrate Easter or the resurrection as a holiday. But it's a moment of great victory. Amen? It is the greatest day in all of history that Christ fulfilled the promise of the Father to bring freedom to all mankind. To all those who would believe upon Him. And that would not just say He is the the suffering Christ on the cross, but that He is the glorified Savior of all mankind. Amen? He's not a man any longer like we are. He's the glorified Christ. And yes, He does sit at the right hand. And He is all of those things. And He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the glory and the lifter of our heads. And it's through His strength or through His joy that we are made strong. Amen? He's all of those things this morning. And so I want to encourage us, each one of us, to enthrone Him in that place. The Scripture said that Christ is... He, he lives within us by His Spirit, yes. That we make room for Him. We make a throne room. How big is the throne room in our hearts for Him? How much of our lives have been laid down that His life can be lived out through us? Amen? Pastor just said it. He was not, wasn't asking for a physical sacrifice for a friend, but making room for our best friend. Amen? And so this morning as we take the bread and we think of the, 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 the sacrifice that was made for us. I want us throning, remembering Him inside the throne room of our lives. So let's do that. And for a sacrifice to be made, there had to be blood shed so that we could be made white as snow he solidified his place in the heavenlies and in the and on the earth through the shedding of his blood so this morning i want us to remember that as we partake of this juice of this drink the fruit of the vine that the depth of that washing that we would acknowledge it in That we wouldn't, as the Scripture talks of trampling the blood underfoot, taking it for granted. That we would acknowledge this morning what it really provided at at the time that He did it and also at at this very moment. What does this provide for us? It's a new veil. The veil of His blood. And through that veil, the Father sees us as sinless and spotless and perfect. That blood has washed us clean as snow. 
Let's take that this morning. Father, we glorify You this morning as we acknowledge the season that we're in, as we approach the greatest holiday that we could ever celebrate, the day that You broke the chains over mankind and freed us, Lord, from, from this life of sin and death and provided for us a home that we could never imagine building of our own. And so this morning we raise our hands and our hearts. We raise our voices to You and we declare into the, into the heavenlies into this atmosphere this morning, who you are. That you are the great I am. That you are wondrous and glorious and perfect in, in our sight, Lord. And that all of heaven and all of, all of the earth rejoices at your greatness and at your creative genius. And that your plan that was executed on that faithful morning, when the stone was not rolled away by the hands of men, and that there was not life blown back into you through the lungs of men, but Lord, that it was all done by your great and marvelous spirit and your will in the earth and so i thank you this morning as we enthrone you as we reinstate today lord in our own lives a new perspective of your glory and greatness i thank you lord that you reveal yourself to us and strengthen us to endure these times father we thank you to this morning for this glorious place that we could worship you and we stand and we we lift up all of those lord who are in places of persecution around this world today and that you're the same God for us, Lord, in this place, right now, at this very instant, as you are for every man and woman and child who calls upon your great name around this earth. And so we stand with them. We stand with them in solidarity and love and friendship and kinship and fellowship, Lord. We extend love, your love to them this morning. And to all those who are in need and all of those who suffer and all of those, Lord, who are sickened in their mortal bodies, we lift them up to you this morning family, friends, and co-workers, the nameless, faceless people that we don't even have knowledge of, Lord, we intercede and stand in the gap for them as you do for us. We give you praise and honor and glory, and we look forward to this journey that we're on as you reveal yourself to us in this season of time. Let us, Lord, be a light shining on a hill. Let us be that lamp, Lord, that cannot be covered. But Lord, let your glorious light shine from forth each one of us, Lord, as we leave this place today and enter into our week. We thank you, we praise you, we glory in your goodness and in your presence today. In Jesus' matchless name, amen.